And one of the things that I've struggled with is the notion that I wasn't smart enough to do this work, or I didn't have enough training or, oh, well, maybe if I were able to go to Zurich and, you know, or a young institute and study for years and years, I might be able to analyze dreams or be present for dreams. And I believe very, very deeply that this den, this space of, of sacred connection to this space of the unconscious that resides within all of us is available to everyone, everywhere. It begins with an opening to, to curiosity. That's Sithra Wilkerson, a fellow acupuncturist and dream worker. You're going to get to hear us talk about so many of my favorite things how dreams drop us into a deeper level and how we view the body in levels in classical Chinese medicine. We talk about healing through the imagery from our dreams, actually soaking up the goodness that can come from those images, from spending time with them, slowing down the value, the essential practice of slowing down, dream characters we don't like, and bathroom dreams... I really appreciated hearing Sithra talk about an important dream of her own and how that fit into her process around darkness and seeing and getting past something that was holding her back. I want to highlight a part of this conversation where Sithra talks about dreaming of people we strongly dislike and the anger that can come up there and the personal healing that can happen when we sink into what's really behind that anger. So in this example, she talks about Trump and the dreamer feeling so much anger toward Trump and then being able to recognize what that ties back to in the dreamer's own life. And this is a beautiful example of one of the reasons I think dream work is so, so valuable, not just to us as individuals, but to our whole human and beyond human living ecosystem. Because if we can become less reactive and more clear about what's really going on for us when we're angry, when we want change, when we're passionate about something, when we want to take a stand against something, we will be more available to make wise and heartfelt and helpful decisions as we take action in the world, less clouded by our trauma. And one reason I wanted to highlight that is also because I'm very soon going to be expanding this podcast to more than dream work. Dream work is, as you well know if you've been listening to this podcast, so dear to me. And it's dear to me as one way, one route into deeper self-understanding, into creative inspiration, into motivation and clarity about how to play our role in the wider world and the global healing that is happening right now. And I also love Chinese medicine. I'm completely on board with the idea that as we heal ourselves, we heal the earth. And as we heal the earth, we heal ourselves. I also like to live in the story of the great turning. If you're not familiar with that phrase and the work of Joanna Macy, first of all, I highly recommend you check it out. But I'll tell you in brief here that she speaks about the three stories of our time, business as usual, where we just carry on the way we have been and we don't need to make any major changes or really question it. The great unraveling is the second story where we're seeing collapse, we're seeing crisis, 
climate disaster, extinctions, human economic disaster, and there's this unraveling happening, and that easily leads to despair. And the third story is the great turning, that we're at a moment where humanity is turning toward a life-sustaining way of being on this planet. All three stories are true. They're all real in the sense that each one is believed and each one is happening and any of us can inhabit one or all or some combination of these. I am in all three of these, sometimes in the space of one hour, but I mostly live in the story of the great turning and I'm so excited to bring you more conversations with people who are part of this on the ground work of transitioning human society into a life-sustaining way of being here. So much more to come about that expansion of the podcast and of my work, but I wanted to give you a glimpse of that now and also offer you that lens through which to listen to this conversation, particularly as we are so focused on personal healing and that theme of passionate anger around something going on in the world comes up in this conversation. All right, here we go. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org open for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Sithara Wilkerson. She's an acupuncturist and body worker who incorporates the world of dreams and exploration of personal myth into her treatments. She has a master's in oriental medicine and has also been active in a dream work training that's opened up a whole new world of healing through exploration of the unconscious. She's practiced in Frankfort, Kentucky and Charleston, South Carolina, and is now living in her beloved Appalachian Mountains, running her own business called Medicine of the Heart. Sithra honors the work of the divine feminine, which is subtle, body-focused, and slow. She feels that in our fast-paced society, it is a space that we and our earth desperately are asking for us to honor. I so agree, and I'm really excited to talk to you about all of that, Sithra. Thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So I know you have been in a dream work training and that that's begun to weave into everything else that you do. I'm wondering if we could back up and hear about how and when you first realized that dreams mattered to you. Yes, absolutely. Um, So this was a question that I posed to myself when reflecting before coming on the podcast and and a question that I thought a lot about when I went into the dream work training. And the earliest memories I have of dreams are nightmares that were less of a specific 
um, a specific image and more of a feeling that I very clearly remember as a child. It was um, kind of a, a feeling of despair, a feeling of, of the darkness that I now feel that I understand was my first openings to my personal unconscious. And so this, although I'm sure I had a wide array of dreams throughout my life and childhood, I began the memories that I have that really stuck in a felt sense in my body were feelings of, of very dark experiences. And I had a lot of, I think like many people, I had a lot of resistance to this. And when my parents um, became involved in dream work, they were the forerunners for me and opening up to the world of dreams in many ways. And they often offered, you know, if you have dreams, we'd be happy to talk about them with you. And I would say in some ways, I felt very intuitively drawn to this world with a an also simultaneous resistance to doing it because I knew that it would bring me to that space of darkness that I had clear memories of as a child feeling very, very scared by. And this to me is really at the heart of dream work. We have a world that exists both outside of us and within us that is very, can feel very fearful because it is unknown. And it's a really powerful place to open up to because as we open up to the dark side, the light side simultaneously expands as well in my experience and in my experience working with clients. And so it's a, um, a, an area that has really felt so deeply healing in so many ways. And I feel so many people have the opportunity to open up to it. And very understandably, many people will have resistance to it because it is so new and mysterious and dark, <laughs> not dark in a negative way, but dark in a way that we haven't yet shown light on it. So we don't yet know what will appear. Yeah. So well said. I mean, that's, that's what our dreams are always doing is bringing to our attention and our awareness, things that we haven't seen clearly before. So that's inherently the realm of the unknown. And that can be, that can be scary or just something that, you know, we, we naturally want to resist. I, I like what you said about the light coming alongside it. They sort of rise together. They're, they're there in um, equal proportion, kind of a yin and yang balance there. Yes. And I'm curious if, if there's anything else you can say about your personal experience with when you did finally decide it was going to be okay to go into this darker territory that would take you into such unknown and associating that with fear and nightmares, was there a process where the dreams shifted or things changed where it seemed like this was a space that more light and kind of good feelings could also arise? Yes, it's a, it's a very personal journey for me and one that in my own personal process involved um, a very strong connection to the avoidance of this area through, through the form of addiction um, in my world. And so I was, I was very actively 
continuing to try to stay in the light. Um, and, and one of the ways that I did that was through the use of substances. And I wanted to, I felt really connected to having it be okay. I think like many people and everyone does it very, very differently. But um, in my world, it ended up showing up in the form of an addiction. And I can name a very specific dream experience that was that happened at the very beginning of my dream work training at the Hayden Institute. And I was working with a guide at that point. And I was in Asheville, so a place that I know very well. I was um, my in the dream, my husband left the home that we were in together and I went to search for him. So in a sense, I went to search for my animus energy. I went out to the road, out to Merriman Avenue and there was smoke everywhere. And I went to turn onto the road and there was a huge obstacle. So in that retelling of the dream, um, I was connected to a very real truth, which was that my use of marijuana, which involves, of course, smoke, mm -hmm. um, was becoming an impediment, an, an obstacle. I said the words, there's smoke everywhere and there is an obstacle in the road. And the woman working with me said, well, I wonder if there's an obstacle that you're aware of that is impeding your journey. And it, that, that, lineup of sentences was so clear to me mm. and became it became such a knowing now now not in just a theoretical way which of course I had a very clear understanding that I wanted to move away from the use of this but the dream showed me and helped me to connect in my body to the truth that this thing you're using to try to see the light to try to connect with the the lighter experience of the world is actually an obstacle to your journeying, to your, to your ability to access the masculine within you. Wow. Yeah. So was there a, a different kind of shift there going from the intellectual knowing to the, the felt knowing that came from this dream? I guess, how did that affect your process around the addiction? Yeah. Um, just retelling it now is a really special experience for me, me because I can feel it in my body. Mm. I have so much gratitude for that moment mm. because um, like, well, like anyone who has an addiction and there are lots of different forms of addictions in this world. Um, anyone who strives to find safety in the use of something with unconsciousness, which can be running or food, or of course, the, the substances that we are all familiar with um, knows is that that thing out there is not going to bring you to wholeness. <laughs> that thing out there is going to leave you behind when it leaves your system, like the high of a really powerful run mm -hmm. or once, once the alcohol wears off. And when I, when I sat with that and really felt that connection to my body in that moment, which happened in sobriety, there was a new level of knowing that it was safe to move forward in this world without, without being surrounded by smoke. And it would actually be a very, it would be a very powerful remover of obstacles. And I felt, 
I felt scared about that because it was, it was new and it would be, it would be a very new pattern for me and a, and a pattern that I hadn't always witnessed in my own journey from, from people who had guided me, but one that I knew would lead me to a space of clarity, a space where the smoke would lift, a space where I could see even the very scary parts that I know exist within me with, with um, an illumination as opposed to a smoky or cloudy experience of them. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a really powerful imagery and story. And um, thanks for for opening up about that. I'm, I'm hearing the connection too with the smoke and what you said at the very beginning about the unseen and the darkness and kind of venturing into this territory where there's a dynamic going on between what's seen and what's unseen and what's clear and not clear and you know, what it is to, to move forward in that, those, those mysterious places. Yes. They are so ripe with energy. They, they, when we have an experience, um, people often come to me as I'm sure they do too also, and they're very angry or they're very sad, or they don't want to feel this thing that they're feeling, or they don't, they're very frustrated by the way their body is changing or hurting. And that, that place holds so much energy in them that it is, it has the equal amount of potential for healing. So I feel a great excitement in ways about that. I know it's very difficult Mm -hmm. and I certainly don't want anyone to be in pain, but to see, to be, to be able to bear witness and hold space for the energy that is presenting in front of me that has an equal potential for potential for healing. It's something that I've experienced. It's something that I've felt in my own body. And so I know the transformational power that it holds and has the potential of, of caring for them. Yeah. Is there anything you could, any kind of example or way we could better understand that? Like, I mean, that is, as you said, it's not easy to do, you know, when, when mm-hmm. someone's suffering and, upset about suffering, which is how we all feel when we're Mm -hmm. in a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. um, how to access that as a kind of energy and connect with that, you know, with its healing potential. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Yeah. So the mechanism that it begins with is utilizing the feminine and using the very difficult and unpracticed, for the most part, culturally unpracticed mechanism of slowing down. When we are a part of the culture that we live in and a part of the world we live in, we are moving at a warp speed. And the internet and our cell phones and our cars and the way we are taught to excel and achieve and accomplish are our are all very, very fast paced. And so one of the things that typically accompanies pain is a very large story that I have this thing going on and this thing happened, um, you know, a year ago and I can't, I can't seem to process it because there's just too much to do. And I have this and that, and they tell me right away about a hundred things that are happening in their world. 
And so one of the first things that I do is I thank them for sharing because as you know, being vulnerable is not the easiest thing to do. And I take a deep breath with them typically. And I ask them if we can begin at one of those places. And often beginning at one of those places allows a real opening to the most significant thing maybe that we have been stifling, which I believe, I don't know this to be true, you know, technically, but I believe often is grief. Mm. We, we are very, we have grief and it's one of the, I believe one of the hardest emotions to feel. And so when we go through the death of a loved one, we often create a story around it. We go into our mind about it and we say, we should be over that already, or that happened a long time ago, or, you know, I needed to get back to work. I needed to end this. So I, I should just really, why am I still feeling this thing? And then we go into all the other things that are blocking that grief. And I, and I'll often return to, well, what about that experience of loss? And, and do you, do you have anything to say about that? And they often have a lot more to say and often to cry or to move with, with the experience of tears, which is a feminine experience. It's a connection to the body and the flowing waters of the body. And it's a really, really beautiful space to, to provide room for because we are so often taught as children don't, don't feel that don't you're angry, get over it. You're sad. It's okay. Push it aside, move on, get back to work, get back up on that bicycle, whatever the case is. And we, we are stunted in our experience of feelings. And there's a, there's a child in us that is still desperate to feel and desperate to experience the fullness of our emotions, the fullness of where they reside in the body and allow and in that process of experiencing them, allow that part of us to move in new ways. Mm-hmm. And I find that bringing dreams in to a treatment can do some of what you were just talking about with asking, can we start with one and the, mm-hmm. the biggest thing will come up, mm-hmm. which neither I nor the patient might have guessed would be the biggest thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but dreams can help us, you know, get to that grief or whatever it is. Um, have you noticed something similar? Do you feel like dreams help you get to that kind of more, more core place with people? Absolutely. It is talk about, you know, dropping the barriers, dropping those smoke screens. We yeah. our dreams exist in at what I believe to be at our essence level, that deep Yuan level in Chinese medicine that is below the surface of the thinking mind, below the surface of that which is in our conscious experience. And so they come up from that dark place within us to provide us with guidance, to provide us with the roadmap to where we have the potential for deeper healing. And so to, I'll provide an example from um, a dear client that I just asked if it was okay if I spoke about some of her dreams and she had some frustrations about her job and we were talking about some of that. And I 
was sitting with her and said, well, you know, what about your dream? Or I think actually she brought up, she said, well, you know, these things are very big. And also I had this dream this morning. And so we moved into that dream and it provided this absolutely stunning image of, of a blue, the, the big, biggest thing that comes to mind for me, it, it was blue and almost like a starry night. It was some type of a, I, I, I actually don't remember if it was a, a watch. I believe it was some kind of a watch or a timepiece, but that the technicality doesn't matter so much as the felt sense that resided not only in her from this powerful, deep blue starry night kind of image that reminds me of, of these incredible stones that emanate from our earth after years and years of transformation that creates the stone. She held space for this image and we held space for it together and we could both feel the power of it. And we carried that image into the treatment and I can't speak to her experience, but I believe it was very helpful. It certainly was very helpful in me in settling into a connection to that deep level, the level of, of our eight extraordinary vessels, our transformative vessels that reside in our body that are so much more powerful. Well, they are powerful in their own way and they hold such deep healing power and they can in ways cut through the barriers of our very powerful level of, of the day-to-day -day and the mood and the emotion of the moment because they hold this resonance with, with kind of like the inner stone, the inner gems that exist within us. Mm. Mm, that image is really beautiful. And the, the idea that it has to do with time in that way too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of being, you know, not just the geological time of a stone forming, but everything you said about how fast we're moving and mm. that the slowing down to kind of um, geological pace is so profound and, and opens up the possibility of connecting. I really like what you said about, it's almost like the treatment was able to drop to that deeper level of the, what we call the eight extraordinary vessels. So another system of channels of how chi flows through our body, that's not the, the main 12 ones that a lot of people who are familiar with acupuncture have heard of, you know, lung channel, stomach channel, right? But these, I know I'm just giving this background for listeners, just that there's these yeah. other, these um, channels that, as you said, interact more with deep transformation. Um, do you want to talk any more about how you view those different channels? I, I find that a lot of times listeners will have a, an aha moment when just the right words land and it's like, oh, this dream may be connected to that level of me. Mm -hmm. So I'd just like to open that up for a little more if you want to offer more to people about what those, those channels are and how they, how we experience them. Yeah, absolutely. So the most superficial level that exists within us is the way level, W-E-I, and that has to do with the defensive level of chi. So the, the part of us that is in protection, it protects us from allergens. It protects us, it creates boundaries for, for energies of the world. I think that this level has a great deal to do with boundaries, 
And it has to do with our experience, kind of our, our momentary experience, similar to the breath. What am I breathing in right here in this moment? What is coming in as this, as this moment of breath, as this bit of oxygen enters into my body? And that level exists at the most superficial part of us. It's ever-changing, just like the wind outside of our window. Beneath that level is the blood level. And we speak about in Chinese medicine how that level is where we carry our story. I think this phrase is, is very, very helpful. It has been very helpful to me. We carry our story in our blood. So when we have areas of pain, which for many women is very significant around the time of the cycle, when we have cramps, they can have, they can come out in the form of, of, um, of blood stagnation. That's the words, those are some of the words that we use in Chinese medicine. And to me, that really relates to areas of our story, which is carried in the blood that are stagnant. Maybe an area that we know was, was painful. So this is still a conscious part of us. We know that it was painful at some part of our life and we haven't yet dealt with it. And that's very, very normal because life cannot be dealt with all at once. Mm-hmm. We can't possibly examine all the trauma of, of the, for instance, the experience of losing a loved one all in that moment. It would be too much for our body to handle. Mm-hmm. And so it gets, some of that gets stored away and it can often become stagnant until we, till we return to it and allow it to move. And then beneath that level, kind of going more deeply into the body is the yuan level or the essence level. And that relates to a part of us that we are surfacing through work like dream work, through work like work with the body, where we don't, we can't think our way into this experience. We can't logically, rationally examine this part that exists within us. We have to use the feminine side, the element of stillness, the element of slowing in order to be present for this part because it is, it's mysterious and it doesn't have the same language. Just like a dream comes through in the form of symbol, this part of us comes through in the form of, of feelings and sensations and, and experiences that can come up into our conscious awareness, like through, through a dream, but it isn't, it isn't known until we surface it from that deep place that resides within us. Mm, Yeah. I think that's beautifully expressed. And I already have a feeling that the imagery of a, a stagnant place in the story or the parts of us that we can't think our way into, you know, is powerful to hear. So mm. I'm thinking also about embodiment, kind of the, what you're saying about the yuan level and the the things that we don't think into, but feel into. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how that plays out for you with dreams in, in your clinic, in your practice, because I'll just say for me, sometimes we do want to drop below the level of the dream that we can think about and feel what's happening. As you said, with your own dream that you could feel it in your body, what it was like to see the smoke and the obstacle there. Mm -hmm. And 
Do you find people dropping into that type of space where they're feeling their dreams in their bodies? Or is that something you invite people to do? Yes. I, and I think that the invitation is one of the biggest things that I believe all healers do. And I certainly think that it is a really big part of the role that I play in other people's experiences of their dreams. We are so theoretical as a culture. We are very, we're very stuck in the space of mental consciousness. Um, we're very divisive in that space. Things are right and they are wrong. They are black and they are white. And to have someone stand beside you or sit beside you and say, well, where is that felt in you? Some people go there very naturally. They can, you know, kind of flow their way into that. And it feels like a very logical, um, logical experience to move in that direction. And others really, they, at times they have never done that. <laughs> and so when a dream image comes in, which is often a very new thing because they have typically they have gone exclusively to the mind space. This is really weird and it's funny. And I don't know why I would dream about this really weird thing. And they think about it. Then we might, um, we might pick up on a specific moment in the dream, like that beautiful, deep blue starry clock. And, and just to, to take a moment to see it in your mind's eye and then to take that and feel it in the space of the body and breathe there. And not similarly to the exploration of pain, I, I always suggest that we not try to alter it or to make, to make it be anything other than it is, but simply to feel it. Where is that in your body? Can you stay there for a moment? When you do that, do you notice other parts of your body changing? Do you notice your, any changes in your jaw? If maybe someone says, I always have jaw pain. Do you notice any, any shifts in that jaw pain as you drop into that symbol in your body? And it really allows a connection to the body, which is the space where the healing resides and the healing is able to move in new ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it literally physically changes the way things are flowing when we go into those symbols or images or dream experiences that are made for us. Right. I feel that each mm -hmm. dream comes perfectly formed for the dreamer. Mm -hmm. And so if going to that image lets the jaw relax, mm -hmm. You know, and if you or I put an acupuncture needle in a certain point on the leg, that also might make the jaw relax. Mm -hmm. But the the dream itself can create that same change that an mm -hmm. acupuncture needle might, or even that a physical substance someone might take in a medication might create. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. we really get into that, to to receiving from the images in that way, and I I find it's easiest to do that with dream images that already feel really good, like that mm -hmm. embrace with a loved one who you've lost mm. or, you know, that incredibly calm lake that you're sitting on yeah. the edge of and, you know, to sink into those and see, well, what happens in the body when you sink into that one and, and mm -hmm. real changes happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that can be, 
a very healing space to support someone in dropping down into the body with, um, with what we might call some of the lighter or the more pleasant emotions. Mm -hmm. And it can also bring in an opening to a space that we might, we might not otherwise be able to explore that is very painful and to allow that maybe the anger that we feel out there in the world at, let's say if, if the image of Trump showed up in the dream and we are just so stuck in the power of our hatred and the power of our anger at the injustice, very understandably, the pain that that is inflicting and the, and the, and the, the stagnation that accompanies that pain that is inflicting in our body. And then we might have a dream in which he appears or someone of a similar magnitude, he or she of some of a similar magnitude of anger appears in our dream. And we can say in that, I, I say in that moment often, I'm, I'm curious if it might feel safe to first relax a little. I'll, before we go into more difficult experiences or emotions in the body, I first lead them into a place which I hope brings them to the experience of safety. Mm-hmm. And I try to connect them to, because as you know, as, as we all so well know, trauma does not feel safe. Mm-hmm. And going back to traumatic experiences can feel extremely unsafe if we aren't in a grounded place. And so if we provide first a container, a safe container by actually physically looking around the room maybe and saying to the body, we are in a safe place. I I can connect with safety here. This space is safe and my body feels safe. And then dropping into the body and experiencing where the anger resides or where the grief resides that the dream might have highlighted. It will often provide an opening to, oh my gosh, I, that, that is actually not connected to Trump at all. That, that is connected to an experience I had as a child. And, and I'm so, I, I'm just, I feel confused. I, it feels so different. I had no idea that that anger was so connect, that same experience of anger that I've been projecting outside of me onto this story is also very deeply connected to this experience of anger that I had as a youngster or as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when we can be thankful for the images of the people we dislike the most showing up in our mm-hmm. dreams to really reveal what's, what's going on to let yeah. us, to let us see, okay, that's what happens in me when I encounter something that reminds me of this or just something that provokes this type of feeling or thought in me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that I, I love that when the, the character in the dream who feels like you just wish they weren't there, you know, and mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that you find the gift that that has, you know, that I find out, oh, okay. They should only with this horrible thing happening in the dream or this really disliked person showing up, would I get to this feeling or this, uh, shift? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In our dream group, we had kind of a funny, um, 
the dream group that I was a part of with the Hayden Institute it was a beautiful and incredible cohort that I was with for two years. And we had kind of an ongoing joke that, oh, these toilets keep showing up in our dreams. And, you know, they say like, um, I don't know what the actual quote was, but they say that Jung often said, the the gold is in the poop in a manner uh-huh. speaking yeah. and and that was you know we would say oh another another toilet dream or you know another poop dream here we go because it's like that's where that's where our beauty exists that's the incredible balance of of light and dark the the yin and yang it's it's ever shifting and ever manifesting in the other and so when we say ew there's poop in our dream. That's disgusting. I would never look at that or I'd never think twice about that. And then we say, well, what might that mean? And the light um, accompanies it in such a powerful way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, bathroom dreams are so Mm -hmm. common and the need Mm -hmm. to pee or someone who couldn't Mm -hmm. hold their pee or, you know, needing to poop and you can't find a private place to do that. There's so mm-hmm. much in that imagery because it's real to me. It's like the most primal way that our bodies show that need to release. Mm-hmm. And so when that shows up in a dream, it's like, oh, good. I'm getting a real insight about what it's time to release or what's in the way of my releasing or what, you know, whatever the dream might, might show. And I take special notice if in the dream, it's not me who mm-hmm. is, has the bathroom theme, you know, because then getting mm-hmm. into the, who the character is that I'm projecting this onto mm-hmm. can be really potent too. Absolutely. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit while I have another acupuncturist here with me. Well, we have some time to dive into this. I'm, I would love to ask you about some of the the symbolic science of Chinese medicine and how you're seeing that show up in dreams. You know, I did episode 28 about food in dreams and what Chinese medicine wisdom has to show us about how, for example, the sour flavor affects our bodies and helps us astringe and not leak. Um, Mm. You know, and each flavor has a different action. And I feel like all of our bodies know that even if we haven't consciously been taught it in Chinese medicine school. And so mm-hmm. people's vivid dreams of food and flavors have always fascinated me on that level of what's the energetics of this food and what does it mean to be hungry and to be able to digest and transform our experiences. You know, we talk about that a lot in terms of the earth element in Chinese mm-hmm. medicine. And I'm curious to hear from you if you're seeing Chinese medicine symbolism, you know, yin and yang and anything like that in, in your own dreams and in your clients' dreams? Every single dream, it's, it's such an incredible tool. The language and the symbolism of Chinese medicine provides a whole new layer of, of a framework of, um, of dream symbolism. And I feel so grateful to have found it in the way that, that I did and, and to be able to incorporate it into the treatment space is it's the yin and yang are directly related to the masculine and feminine. And well, they typically the opposite way around it, even though of course there's fluidity in all of it, the yin being the feminine and the yang being the masculine. And 
the the imagery that comes through is it daytime you know the time of yang or is it nighttime the time of yin or dusk you know the, these these transformative stages in your dream um what are the colors present and relating those to the five elements what are where are the elements either located in the dream or are they absent entirely and include all of the other elements in the dream um it's i had a i was working with someone who had a dream about a a very they were in a home space went outside and it was a very grassy lush environment and then they went to the front yard and it was the desert again and or the desert appeared and this desert of course is very lacking in water and so we spoke about the water element and um i reflected my from my own journey how desperately i believe all of us but for someone who identifies with the elements of wood and fire as my primary um, constitutional factors i need water so much and a dream about a desert for instance would be a really powerful sign that um that there is a need for movement into this watery space the time of winter the time of of un non-doing the time of hibernation there's there is a very real need for me who is very a very mental person i think many of us are um but i love to collect information and to learn about new things and to jump from one subject to the other rather quickly and this body of mine will be thirsty for watering and that may show up in the dream or a dream even of a client of mine <laughs> in that space where i am needing to reconnect with water and to be watered and there is there's a multitude of of ways that this that this these incredible elements these these powerful ever shifting seasonal things that are moving out there in the world around us are exemplified in our own bodies and our own experience of the world um i had a really i was i returned to the thought around the five elements because i knew that i would be we would be speaking about the elements and um just last week i had an incredible experience with a client who told me a dream and it opened up with a very a very white um the the opening was a highway of sorts and it was white there was white everywhere and then she went into a mall and she saw a um a blue dress a very like a dark deep flowy she she used the word mermaid so it made me think a lot about the watery blue mm -hmm. and then she she wrote she went up to the top and she went into a space where in which she was wearing she had such a distinct experience of this bracelet on her arm it was metal and but it was painted metal there was a green vine that wrapped around her arm and then at the top closest to her wrist and the heart channel was a red rose wow and so i was we were sitting with this dream together and i was just absolutely in awe of these 
powerful symbols that were, of course, there were many more in the dream than what I've named. And I paused for a moment and I said, so I see the white and the blue and the red and the green. And so in the five elements, um, I'm curious about where the yellow is. I'm, I'm wondering if the yellow appeared anywhere in the dream because yellow is the final of the five colors of the five elements representing the earth. And she said, oh, I hadn't really thought about it, but there was a hot dog. She had gone to a stand and interacted with this incredible feminine energy at the food court area. And the hot dog had mustard on it that was hmm. yellow. And I mean, it was almost like, you know, exploring that podcast of yours about food and then coming to this question of my own, you know, I wonder about the five elements in dreams. It was almost as if she presented me with yeah. this unfolding of the five elements in the dreams. And so we got to experience not only the colors that immediately came to her, but a reminder and a connection to this space of nourishment and this, this bitter flavor that, that was um, presented on, on a hot dog, you know, which of course has a multitude of symbols in itself. Yeah. So it was just a really cool experience of, of thinking about the five elements and thinking about the colors that we associate with those five elements. Yeah. And I'm hearing the directions in there too, which is so cool. There's the highway, yes. which has yes. you know height to it going with the white and the metal and then going into the mall. And I, particularly with a down and in motion, that's the, the gesture of water. Mm -hmm. So to the blue dress. And then I think the next was up, right? The, mm -hmm. she goes up in the mall. So, you know, if this is my dream and I'm going up and I'm seeing this green vine, that's the color mm -hmm. of wood and the direction of wood, which gives rise to fire and the color of fire is red. And it's there by the wrist where we have um, mostly fire points, really, depending on where mm -hmm. it is on the wrist, but we have four fire points um, around the wrist, four of those six. Um, and then food courts in malls typically are somewhere in the middle, which is the gesture of earth, which is being centered, you know, it's not moving. Mm -hmm. So we get that yellow mm -hmm. mustard in the, maybe in the center of the mall, I'd have to ask the dreamer, but that, that is like a showcase dream. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's so um, cool. Yeah. And I'll just mention it because it was such a cool synchronicity. I listened to your podcast on a Friday and then that evening, um, a friend of mine texted me, which I, this may be the first time she's ever sent me a dream image mm. that night. She sent me this dream image and she said, or, and I read it the next morning. She said, Oh, I just had the sweetest dream. We were sitting together eating lots of sugar, sugary cakes <laughs> and donuts. And I was just like, what an incredible synchronicity. I just listened to this podcast. And it also, I believe, is a very symbolic and, and beautiful reflection of the space we hold together, which is, which is about coming into our, our, our earth together and loving each other and being mothering towards each other and, mm. and kind of enjoying, taking space to enjoy the sweetness and the abundance of earth in that way. And it was just so beautifully illuminated in that little dream snippet that she shared. Oh, that's awesome. And that she thought to reach out to tell you that that is yes. so cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so 
for anyone who doesn't know, sweet is the flavor we associate with the earth element. And Mm -hmm. the earth element is kind of like the archetypal mother in that it nourishes everything from the center. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so there's that mothering quality. That's really cool. And, and um, it's almost like, that's the kind of dream that, you know, I would want to reach out and share with somebody. I had this really lovely, sweet experience with you, you know, and um, so the dream itself almost feels like an invitation to, to deepen that connection too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like the mother earth. I love these. I love the images of these, of these big bodied women holding, you know, in a sense, what I think about with the earth is like holding out their arms, like consuming the sweets, not, you know, not limiting ourselves, but allowing ourselves to in ways indulge and be soft and to love the softness of our bodies and you know to put our feet in the mud and to to be held mm-hmm. in that space is so mm-hmm. is such a nurturing part of that beautiful earth element yes yes all about the feet in the mud and eating sweet things i love it mm-hmm. <laughs> should do mm-hmm. more of that <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> um and it's really cool just to go back a little bit to hear you say that you mostly relate to wood and fire qualities as kind of mm-hmm. constitutional and mm-hmm. to hear you talk about how powerfully water energy has come in to heal your healing work that a lot of yes. what you're doing for yourself and for others has to do with the balance of those with the, what balances and what nourishes those which is yes. slowing, slowing down you know absolutely and to come into a space where I'm no longer projecting that out. I, one of my common phrases was, oh, I have such intuitive friends. I'm not intuitive at all. You know, those were some of the parts of my story that I was really attaching to. I don't have astrologically in Western astrology, I don't have any water in my chart Mm. except for in one planet. And that's Saturn, which is a very dark and deep, often a very, um, it can be, related to a lot of painful experiences. And, and so I think that there was this story that I really connected to before honoring the very real truth that all of the elements reside within me, all of the energies reside within me, that I was not a watery person. And Mm. so to have that awareness and to and to be with others that I know also have similar thoughts around their experience of the world is a really, it's a really powerful thing because it's so empowering and so helpful to be reminded that they all exist within us yeah. and the dreams really help illuminate that for us. Absolutely. Yeah. I, thinking of that, that dream that you shared with all the elements in it and all the colors you know, yes. we, we all have all those energies. We can all dream of all the directions of movement and all the colors and, and uh, yeah, to not be, to not get stuck in our stories is an ongoing un- unwinding, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also that what we need most, we can also offer as medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And it will show up in our clients. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, our, and our friends and they'll be and, drawn in for <laughs> yep yeah mm-hmm. well Sithra I feel like we could go on so much longer about all of this but we're we're coming towards the end of our time I'm curious if there's anything else you'd like to share any anything else on your mind or well I think that 
because this is such a, a beautiful, I mean, I just love the title, the dreamer's den, you know, this, the idea of the den is something that I, I think the last thing I'll say is that I feel that it's very, it's very available. And one of the things that I've struggled with, particularly when I started dream work is the notion that I wasn't smart enough to do this work, or I didn't have enough training or, oh, well, maybe if I were able to go to Zurich and, you know, or a young institute and study for years and years, I might be able to analyze dreams or be present for dreams. And, and I believe very, very deeply that this den, this space of, of sacred, of um, sacred connection to this space of the unconscious that resides within all of us is available to everyone, everywhere. And it is a space that begins with an intention. It, it begins with an opening to, to curiosity. And that curiosity does not need a degree or, or a certain amount of money or a, you know, a, a label or a title of any sort. It's available to everyone everywhere. And that's something that it's very, it will show you the complexes that are there like I'm not smart enough or I don't have the right degree. Um, and it will also allow you to relate with those parts and decide if you want to continue to maintain that story or if you're ready to allow that story to shift in new ways. So good. Yes. Thank you so much for saying all of that. I, I'm completely agree. And I just hope for that sense of freedom to do this, to arise for more people, because like you said, mm -hmm. curiosity is probably the most important thing. If we're going to go into dream work, you know, mm -hmm. curiosity, uh, maybe, um, I would mix compassion in there, you know, to, because that, mm -hmm. that really open curiosity I feel is compassionate. Um, but mm -hmm. you definitely don't need a degree for that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really beautiful what you said. And, um, I'm so glad that you shifted your story and you're doing all this dream work now. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> it's very <laughs> exciting and it's very opening. And, and that's, that is something that I, I hope to share with others. And I hope people hear when they hear me and people like you, um, share is that, this is such an incredibly healing experience to open up to these parts and to, to take a moment to slow and to be present for these really deep transformative pieces that reside within all of us. Mm, yes. And if anyone wants to connect with you more about this, if they're in the Asheville area or just want to find you online, where can people reach you? Yeah, my website is my name, CitheraWilkerson.com. And my, um, the clinic that I have created is Medicine of the Heart. So you can look those up. And I, um, I'm going to start being a little bit more active on Instagram and, and even like talking about these things more. So, so there's lots of spaces. Sending me an email is a great way to connect because it's something I love to talk about. Okay, perfect. I'll put a link to your website in our show notes and make that easy for everybody. Thank, Thank you again you. so much for joining me and for this rich conversation. Thank you. It is an honor to be here. I really appreciate it, Leilani. 
Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Sithra. What'd you think? I would love to hear from you. As always, come leave a comment on the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 32. I'll talk to you again on the full moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams. <laughs>